When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Baseball talk is back. The Miami Marlins around the horn is on Fox Sports 940 Miami. Welcome on back. It's January 20th. I'm Kyle Seeloff. With us tonight is Gabby Sanchez, and this is Around the Horn. Week three of our show on Fox Sports 940 AM Miami. With you every Thursday from 6 o'clock to 7. A good show tonight. More on that in just a moment. But first, Gabby, it's good to see you, buddy. Or I guess for those listening, uh, it's still good to see you. But what's going on, man? How's everything? Everything's going good, Kyle. How's everything going with you? I'm just hanging out with the family, you know? It's a new year. We're all trying to be safe, do our thing. I'm easing in, dude. What we got nothing going on. I'm just I'm coasting right now. I'm enjoying doing the show. We can't talk a whole lot about baseball within reason, right? But uh, I'm hopefully things get ironed out there soon and uh, we can play baseball. But what have you been up to this off season? Anything? Uh, nothing much. Just basically spending time with the family during the season. Uh, you know, especially this last season, there was so much going on that you were always just working, You either doing radio or doing Bally Sports or doing the ESPN gig. So there wasn't too much time. So now it's basically that catch-up time where you're just Mr. Dad cooking and taking them to school, waking up, doing the breakfast stuff. So just having a good time with the family. You got through Christmas good? Santa was good to everybody? Santa was great with everybody. Um, I mean... I guess we could say we, we did we did catch the corona uh, during Christmas, I, just like every, a lot of other people did. You look great. Uh, I mean, it, luckily, <laughs> luckily, uh, we had our, our vaccines and all that stuff, so it, nothing really happened. We were good. Um, but it stunk because we had to basically back Christmas up. Oh. Because we caught it on the 23rd, and, you know, we couldn't do the Christmas Eve at my brother's house and couldn't do the Christmas. So we basically just backed everything up. And uh, once we were free and clear, then we went and visited, you know, the family members and passed out the Christmas gifts. So it was a really long Christmas vacation. Uh, what's on the docket here over the course of the next month? I mean, you know, we're, we're trying to get ready for baseball a little bit here, but we can't get ready for a whole lot right now. What do you got going on? Um, for me right now, it's just wait and see, just like everybody else. It's just kind of reading the news, see what's going on, trying to trying to just grasp uh, when baseball is going to be back. I don't see it, you know, I don't see any games getting lost by it. I can see that, you know, the teams and the players should come together to some type of agreement to be able to get baseball going. I don't think uh, baseball can afford any type of longer lockout or, or missing any games. Um, so I think that's something that, you know, the union along with MLB baseball needs to come together and be like, okay, we, we need baseball to, to get going and playing. So we got to come up with something. I think you agree with me then. I think there's way too much at stake to lose a regular season game. I, I think it could potentially drag out until – maybe the beginning of March. Uh, to me, once it gets to the beginning of March, something's got to get done. It's got to get done in a hurry. There's a lot of free agents out there that have to sign, and there's way too much at stake here. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that. And here's the thing. You have top echelon guys 
and they know who they are. And then you got those mid echelon guys. And those are the guys that are going to be looking right now. Those are the free agents that are like, hey, look, I know I'm going to probably sign to a team, but I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do. You may have talked with, you know, teams prior to the lockout, kind of had some type of, you know, thought process of, you know, this is probably my three teams that I could land. But as, but as a player, when you're training in the offseason, you kind of want to know, okay, I've, I've got this place. This is where I'm going. This is where my contract is going to be. And, and I think as that time gets closer to where that spring training mark is, th- those guys are the ones that are going to feel it the most. Not the top echelon guys. They know that they're going to sign for a crazy amount, but it's those mid-tier players, the the everyday players that – you know, could definitely feel it. You know what the thing is, though? Even with those top echelon guys, Gabby, and obviously you know this from your playing days, imagine the beginning of the first or second week of March. It doesn't matter if you're top or bottom guy. You know you're going to have a big league deal. You don't know where you're going. You don't have an apartment. You don't know who you're playing for. That's going to be a little tough on some of these guys. It's going to be, I'll say this, it's going to be wild when this thing's over and there's three and a half, maybe four weeks to prepare. In the signings, it's going to be nuts, man. Yeah, and, and not only that, too. You can train all you want in the offseason. Yeah. Right? We all did it. We we trained. You can go out there. You can take your simulated BPs against pitchers. You know, you could do your running on the field. You can do your base running. It is not the same as actually playing in a game. Right. And, and the adrenaline that that brings to it. So, especially when we talk about those top-tier guys, the longer that it takes them to sign – the longer that they're not on the field and that they're not playing. We've seen it time and time again where guys sign late into spring training, season come, there's not they're not ready, and it takes them, you know, three weeks into the season to get going. Well, guess what? The teams that pay that big money, they want you from day one to produce. Yeah. All right, hold that thought. More on that in just a second. Time now for tonight's starting lineup on Around the Horn, presented by Nudge, the official coffee snack of the Miami Marlins in Lone Depot Park. Do the undoable. Two interviews tonight. My extended and full conversation with another top prospect, Joe Mack, is coming up in just a couple of minutes. And Senior Director, Miami Senior Director of International Operations, Adrian Lorenzo, will follow, and we will, as customary, wrap everything up with another edition of Three Strikes and You're Out. Gabby... If you are sitting on March 1st, don't have a team yet, how how long in opening days, March 31st, how many at-bats do you need to feel comfortable to be ready for big leagues ready, regular season? Oh, that's tough. Because the biggest thing, it's, it's more about velocity than it is anything else. As long as you're seeing velocity, you can get back in pretty quick. But the problem is, is you can't just – base it off velocity off of a, a machine because a machine is going to throw a straight fastball and that that's not what happens in baseball. Yeah, you might have guys who throw a four seam, but even with a four seam, that ball might move a little bit. It might jet. So it, that's the difference to me. It's seeing that live pitching, that live velocity. Now, can you go ahead and get 15 ABs, you know, in spring training, go around the minor league camps or whatever it is and, and, and try to touch up as much as you can to try to get as many ABs? Yes, but again, it's still not the same as being in that major league park facing major league pitchers with their movement. So, yeah, you can see velocity. You can start to get your timing down, but you still want that spring training. You still want to feel that you're ready going into the season and not that you're behind because a player knows when you're behind. It's in the back of your head. 
Right. You're like, I'm not, I'm not ready right now. I, I don't feel good. My timing is just a tick off. It might be just a little bit, but that little bit plays a big part in baseball. So it's that confidence too of knowing I'm ready. If you feel that you're ready, then you're going to be fine. Yeah. But if you have that little, that little voice in the back of your head saying we're not ready yet, that's when those guys struggle, especially early on. It's going to be interesting to me too. Regular season. Let's just assume everything starts on March 31st, and I'm convinced it will. Really, I believe there's way too much at stake here for Major League Baseball, the union, and the owners to lose a single game. Now, we always talk beginning a season, maybe a little chilly some places. Pitchers usually have an advantage. How heightened do you think that will be? Because assuming that pitchers are doing their thing at home, uh, to me, there could be a big advantage early in the season before the offense starts to catch up with the pitching. Well, well, again, we're talking about the same type of situation. How long is your spring training going to be? Yeah. If, if those starting pitchers and those pitchers and those bullpen guys are able to regular, you know, have their regular spring training, then it's just like everything else. Early on, it's going to be pitcher's advantage, and then the hitters will start to come come alive, especially early in this in those cold spots. I remember playing in Pittsburgh, and it was snowing. Yeah. Uh, when we were taking BP. That feels. Well, good. guess what? You. You, that, that's not fun when you're facing a guy throwing 95, 96 miles an hour and you can't, you know, really grip your bat because you got no sticky that stays on right. because of the cold. So uh, there, there's little, there's certain places where, of course, I think it's going to, you know, help out pitchers. But, you know, really isn't that just what baseball is too? You know, pitchers yeah. do have the advantage. It's not easy to hit. Yeah. I know, mean, look, I'll, dude, I'll if, if pitchers and catchers don't report on February 14th, which is I think the report date, roughly speaking, for all 30 teams, um, presumably those guys are taking it upon themselves right now. I mean, pitchers have got to get this thing moving middle of February, whether or not they're in big league camp, right? I mean, they can't afford to yeah. pretend we've got three weeks. I'll just get it going in three weeks from now. No, every single one of these the position players, pitchers, it doesn't matter who you are. You, you know what you're doing in the offseason. You have a certain regimen that you go by. You have your weightlifting. You have your throwing programs. Most of these guys, especially big league guys, not the minor league guys. Some minor league guys are still trying to figure that out. But for the majority, big league guys, they already know what they want to do. So right now, they might be in a certain phase of their throwing program, whether it's a phase two, phase three, um, to know, okay, I'm going to be ready for spring training. So this is what's going to get me ready for spring training. Now, let's say we go into spring training and they still haven't reported yet and things still haven't gone. Well, now they have to take it to where they have to get a catcher to come out to catch their bullpens and they got to do simulated games. But the good thing about it is that most guys train together. Right. So, So there's a lot of guys, especially pitchers, who already have a catcher that they've been throwing with. And they have guys who can go up there and sim game hit them. So there is that that does play a part, but what happens to certain guys who doesn't have that? Yeah. You know, if you got if you're if you're just if your buddy is an outfielder and you guys are throwing, well, you don't have a pitcher that can do that. Right. All right. Good stuff. He's Gabby Sanchez. I'm Kyle Seeloff. When we return, my extended conversation with Marlins catching prospect Joe Mack. You're listening to Around the Horn on your home for Marlins baseball, not Fox Sports 9:40 a.m. Miami and the iHeartRadio app. Marlins Around the Horn show with Kyle Seeloff is on. Fox Sports 940 Miami. Welcome on back to Around the Horn on Fox Sports 940 Miami and the iHeartRadio app. Good to be back with you tonight. 
I'm Kyle Seeloff, and I'm joined this evening by former Marlins All-Star first baseman Gabby Sanchez. Time now for my full and extended conversation with top Marlins catching prospect, Joe Mack. Joe, it's been a while, a couple of months since we last saw you. And, well, not many people come out of Western New York and are professional athletes. Has that sunk in? I mean, I'm sure this has all been a whirlwind, but what, what has this whole experience been like for you? I mean, it's, it's been awesome. I mean, coming down here in the warm weather and um, just being in, in this organization with a bunch of great guys and great coaches and people that I can trust is just awesome. I mean, um, it's definitely a dream come true. Uh, I don't think the reality of it has sunk in, but me being down here and living on my own and being away from my family has definitely sunk in. So, um, yeah, it's just an amazing experience. And uh, if I had to redo it, I would do the same exact thing and be here. Do you feel the weight of what is relatively a small community that you grew up in? Of, of trying to carry this out where like one day, like we're going to be proud of Joe Mack. Not only are you going to be proud of yourself, but an entire community is going to be proud of you. Do you feel that at all? Or are you too young and it's all too far away? Uh, I, I feel that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, my parents and my close friends and my family always tell me you got a little chip on your shoulder. So you got to represent. And um, I mean, once, once uh, I go back and if everything works out and um, I'm just going to represent Buffalo and show them that people out of Buffalo are that play baseball are pretty good and they have chances and um, just set an example and lead for my uh, for New York. Again, I think there's a lot of guys in your shoes that you, you know if you're drafted in the first round like you were, you pretty much could have gone anywhere in the country and played baseball. If you wanted to go to college and you wanted to play for three years where it's regimented and it's structured and you know then you, your career can take off from there. Has this experience been eye-opening? Like, go leaving home for the first time. Definitely, yeah. I mean, uh, it's really been eye-opening. I mean, my mom—I uh, don't want to say anything—but she usually does my laundry, <laughs> so that's kind of. You figured new. out. I where did. The, the yeah. buttons are now. You're I good. did. I figured it out. Um, I've never had a laundry loop before, and it, it was an experience. I—I I don't know if anybody's told anybody, but um, Casey actually the first first couple of days I was here, I was putting my pants on the laundry loop instead of mm. in the bin. Tough look. And yeah, yeah, and he told me, uh, don't ever do that again. So <laughs> I, I, I learned from that. Um, I definitely learned that I have to take care of myself a lot more. Um, obviously the necessities like brush your teeth and like take <laughs> yeah. a shower and stuff like that. But yeah, no, it's it's been eye-opening. I mean, I've learned, I've learned how to do it and I like it and um, I mean, when I go home, I'm with my parents, so it's just fun being there. Uh, look, I think that's something that, and by the way, you know, like 10, 15 years from now, if you're in the big leagues, there's a lot of stories like that. A young player that was a phenom, but they had no idea how to do anything a month into doing it, right? But I think it's interesting. And have you even felt yourself grow up a little bit? Like, if you want to, Joe, I mean, there's money in your pocket. You could go to McDonald's every night and you could just be like, eh, okay, whatever. Like. Like the choice is yours now, whether you're going to take care of your body, goof off, how, what you're going to make of this though, right? Like, do you feel that as soon as you leave? It's like, oh, like I'm on my own now and like, I've got to figure this out. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, I mean that I will not be going to McDonald's every <laughs> single day and buying dollar cheeseburgers, but, but it's um, gotten away from guys doing that. It has. I know. I know. But, um, I like, I, one of my favorite 
places to eat is Chipotle. Okay. And my dad says, it doesn't matter how much you spend there, just go get Chipotle. You spend <laughs> like $10 on a bowl, that's fine. Just go get Chipotle. So, little quick story. Me and uh, my dad went to Georgia over the summer for about, about two years ago. And for about 30 to 40 days in a row, we've got, we got Chipotle. And you're still not tired of it? Still not tired of it. And I loved it even more every single day that I got Joe it. Mack walks through the door, you're ordering what? Chipotle. Yeah, but oh, oh, come on, dude, I know <laughs> okay. where you are. What are you ordering? <laughs> I'm ordering, uh, I'll run you through it real quick. Okay. So it's a, it's a bowl, burrito bowl. Um, I get chicken, uh, rice, sometimes I get black beans, sometimes no beans. There's white rice, there's feeling. jasmine, there's brown rice. Brown rice. Okay. I get extra. Okay. Every extra everything. So okay. I get chicken, regular chicken, extra <laughs> rice, sometimes black beans, sometimes no beans. Wow. Um, and then I get um, mild salsa, hot salsa, medium Jesus. salsa, and then I get corn salsa, lettuce, cheese, <laughs> and sour cream. So I load it up to the mix. I run it through the garden. I do it all. So I get it all. I want it. I love food. <laughs> so you leave home, okay? And now you're a professional baseball player. Uh, a lot of guys, it doesn't matter if you're drafted in the 30th round or the first overall pick, the game is all of a sudden a little bit quicker. Did you feel it? How do you, how do you feel? Yeah, I definitely felt it. I mean, I was catching in my first game and uh, a couple coaches uh, told me, hey, you gotta, you gotta speed this up. You gotta pick it up. Cause Pitcher was getting in his groove. He was kind of getting in his memo and speeding it up a little bit. And I was just down there just chilling, just in my catcher. You know how basically in high school, the pitcher would be ready mm -hmm. and stuff. So I'd just be down there and give him signs. But the pitcher was already in his windup while I'm giving a sign. I'm like, <laughs> relax. I, and so, the, so one of my coaches, he told me that I got to speed it up and I got to be on par with the pitcher and communicate with him about that. So I definitely learned that really fast and I've done better with it ever since. I know you were a multi-sport athlete growing up and a terrific volleyball player. Um, when you're catching, you're the quarterback. You've got to have leadership qualities. Do you have them and do you like that? I believe I do have leadership qualities. Um, and I do like that I am a leader on the field. I mean, um, as a catcher, you're looking at everybody and everybody's also looking at me. So mm -hmm. you're kind of the field captain. You gotta locate, you gotta tell this guy, oh, come here, left, 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 right, stuff like that. And you just also gotta pick up your teammates, whether they hit a bomb and you're like, yeah, let's go. Or if they strike out, you're still like, hey man, like we need you in this game. like you gotta go out there and make a play like it's coming to you next time. So just, so um, make that play and have another at bat and just go with it. So um, being a leader is just, is just awesome. And I love, I love being able to help my teammates as much as possible. You played 19 games up in Jupiter in rookie ball. You hit one home run. Where's that ball and take me through that at bat? Cause I know you haven't forgotten. <laughs> yeah, that ball, <laughs> that ball is in the woods. Uh, I don't want <laughs> pretty deep I guess it was pretty deep it was it was a it was a nice hit um so so uh, you didn't get the ball back it's just in the woods up it's there in the woods yeah oh. it's gone okay never find it <laughs> okay so uh yeah I mean um first pitch was a ball second pitch was a ground ball rollover to the right foul ball, uh, foul ball. and uh third pitch was a fastball up didn't swing at it 
fourth pitch fastball in and I uh, got ahead of it and I just smoked it out to right center field and felt pretty good. Yeah, I was laughing around the bases the whole time. I what was, are you laughing about? What are you thinking or about? I'm smiling. I don't even know what <laughs> I'm thinking about. Just so many thoughts going through my head and just, um, just, I mean, once you get your first, then it's just, it's just, did you feel that? Yeah. I mean, you can make a great play catching. You can get your first hit. But we know Joe Mack, like, kid got a lot of power. You hit your first one, you feel it all. Yeah, all really. the joy, all, all, of every, all the emotions just piling through my first ever pro baseball home run just is, is amazing. I mean, it's an awesome accomplishment, and i kind of sad that I don't get the ball, but <laughs> I know that there's more to come, so it's okay. I'll just get those ones instead. Biggest point of emphasis for you moving forward? What do you really want to work on here? Um, I'm definitely going to want to work on my, my catching, um, my footwork, and my receiving. Um, those are two really important aspects of my game. And another one is timing for hitting. Uh, sometimes I was a little late um, during, the, uh, during the at-bat, but I picked it up a little bit at the end of the season, started to get on time. And a couple coaches say, be on time to the party, so you don't want to be late to the ball. So that's, I kind of live by that a little there bit. There you go. We'll never forget that. You never want to be late to the party. Joe, thanks yep. for the time. Good luck. Of course. Appreciate it. All right, good stuff. Thanks again to Joe for carving out some time for us. And in due time, we will be seeing him at Lone Depot Park. And speaking of coming out to Lone Depot Park, do not miss sweet savings on hot matchups with the opening day bundle in 2022. You can score tickets to five games, including opening day, plus a legacy-themed Cafecito Cup set. These were sold in addition around the holidays. They look Awesome. You can save over 30% on select legacy Saturday matchups against National League East rivals. When the Marlins take the field in their legacy uniforms, visit marlins.com slash bundle tonight. More around the horn right after this on Fox Sports 940 Miami and the iHeartRadio app. Marlins offseason is underway. Around the horn is on Fox Sports 940 Miami. Welcome on back to Around the Horn on Fox Sports 940 Miami and the iHeartRadio app tonight with you every Thursday moving forward through February. I'm Kyle Seeloff. Gabby Sanchez joins us tonight. Gabby and I will be back with you shortly. But right now it's time for my conversation with Miami Senior Director of International Operations. He is Adrian Lorenzo. And just a heads up, this is about half of our conversation. I'll actually go back and upload the entire conversation to the podcast page tomorrow because once we started rolling, it was a really good and interesting conversation. Conversation. Adrian, thanks for hopping on, man. I appreciate it. I know how busy you and your staff have been over the course of the last few days in particular. Uh, but first and foremost, congratulations on your recent promotion and your new role within the organization. Oh, thank you so much. That's really, uh, really kind of you. I, uh, I really can't, I can't overstate how excited I am. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's really an interesting time and spot for for the international operations for the Miami Marlins. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, let, let me ask you this, Adrian, because I, I think, I don't know, I think when, like, you're little and growing up, if you can't play Major League Baseball, it's like, I want to be on that field, though. I want to be in the dugout. I want to coach. I want to be a part of the Major League staff. And then there's a whole different side of it, international operations, right, where people don't really understand much of it. But what is it that you love and most appeals to you about your job in this role? And really, you, you might not get that focus and attention that these guys are getting 162 times a year in the big leagues. Yeah, you know, uh, I guess if I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of ways I can answer that question. But I guess to 
to, to boil it down or synthesize it best. It's the opportunity to give young 16, 17, 18 year old kids a chance to start their professional baseball careers and give them uh, you know, give them a, an opportunity to develop as major league baseball players, or at least the chance to, and, or just professional baseball players and have them have that experience is, uh, is probably the most rewarding part of this whole thing. You know, especially, you know, some of the guys that get a lot of the notoriety are the, you know, Wander Franco who got, you know, over three and eight, $3.8 million. <laughs> and, you know, for us, Yudi Cafe, those guys are, they get the notoriety, right. But like, there's so many guys that are in that, you know, that don't get those kinds of bonuses and don't sign until they're 17, 18, you know, like, so to give those kinds of kids opportunities, that's probably the most exciting. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I believe, and it's no disrespect to any other kind of scouting. To me, it's the purest kind of scouting. Mm. Like you're, these are 15, 16 year old kids. You need to make a call. You need to make a projection on what you think they're going to be. Um, and so you have to like, you, you got to go back to the building blocks of scouting. So that's probably those two things are my favorite components of this this part of this job. All right, beautiful segue because last June the Marlins broke ground on the organization's new player development complex in the Dominican Republic. You, Adrian, obviously mm-hmm. have been very, very involved, but this is a massive mm-hmm. complex. It's a thirty-five acre piece of land. There's three big league fields. There's an administrative building. There's 120 beds. There's places for visiting teams to kind of be when they're there playing. Where where is this complex in relation to the one that you guys currently operate out of in the Dominican? Sure. So I would say it's about 20 minutes uh, east, maybe 15 to 20 minutes east, okay. depending on some traffic. So the the former academy is more in the Guerra. Uh, it's in the town of Guerra, uh, El Toro, which is just a little bit, uh, I guess, just a little bit west of where the majority of the academies are. So there's a pocket. Our new academy will be in Boca Chica. And it will be, I mean, we're sandwiched right between, we're right next to the Texas Rangers new complex. Oh. We're right across the street from the Cardinals and the Mets and down the street are the Yankees, the Rockies, the Giants, the Mariners. Um, so there's a little pocket there of, of academies uh, that are in like squarely in the Boca Chica, uh, in the Boca Chica area. When you were so talk- that's where the new one will be. Right. Yeah. And, and when you were talking the other day, maybe this is a stretch, but I was I, I was listening to you and I wanted to ask you this. With this new complex, three fields, two summer league teams, you're mm-hmm. signing 60 kids or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Is it a stretch to say that this really, when we look back 10, 15 years from now, this could be the beginning of a new era of Marlins baseball? Or is that unfair to say? Uh, look, I'm biased and I'm close to it. So I, I, I think so. Um, I, I would argue, I'd make an argument that that's, that it's begun to a certain extent. I think you're seeing, you know, guys like, you know, Mesa Jr. and Cape and Yuri Perez and Ian Lewis and Jose Salas. So I would say that those guys probably mark the, the start of it turning a little bit, but this will be, it, it's just hard to replicate this kind of injection into the system, like just from a pure volume standpoint. And then, you know, I feel strongly that the processes that we're applying and the scouting philosophies that we're applying to those, you know, 40 to, you know, 40 plus players that we're bringing into the organization, I think that the thresholds that we're making sure that these players are at uh, will ensure a caliber of player or should ensure a caliber of player that I think, I think we'll see, um, you'll see those guys start to show up in our system in short order, and especially with with the, the benefits of having a new academy down there that's that's top-notch and state-of-the-art. I, I think those all those things coming together uh, will make for a pretty special uh, pretty special time. So, yeah, I would uh, 
I don't think it would be unfair to say that this would mark like the beginning of a new era for Marlins international operations, for sure. And with this complex on the administrative side, the scouting side, how much in terms of volume, how much staff have you now been able to add? How many additional resources to help this process? Sure. So I, I guess the, I can start with, with David Hernandez, you know, he's, uh, David Hernandez Bain being the full name. I'm not sure. I, I think you might've met him come across me. He was working with the major league club, doing some video stuff on the major league staff this year. Um, he is my manager of, uh, international, uh, scouting. And so he's kind of handling a lot of our, um, just a lot of our operations, logistics, a lot of our administration, a lot of contract submission, but he's also, uh, he's doing a whole lot of scouting for us. He oversees our weekly uh, academy tryout process uh, down in the Dominican Republic. So he's traveling there regularly. And this is, uh, I bring it up because it's a key part of what we're doing here. Every week, our scouts in the Dominican scour, you know, their areas, they each have their own respective areas. They scour the area. And then at the end of a week, we bring them all to a tryout on Fridays and then get a second look at them. And that's, you know, David runs that process for us. Uh, as well as just, you know, kind of helping with, with anything that's necessary. He's been uh, a tremendously impactful hire and a uh, tremendously impactful employee for us here. And then, uh, you know, most recently we hired uh, Romano Kumares as our director of international scouting. He was, mo- he was previously the Latin American scouting supervisor for the Houston Astros for quite a long time. Um, Roman is Dominican, born and raised in the Dominican, uh, played professional baseball, Uh, has worked with the Indians, the Angels, and most recently the Astros with the Astros, I believe, for seven or eight years, Uh, has even done some amateur area scouting in the U.S. uh, for the Astros, Um, was involved in a a bunch of really interesting signings. I guess the one that we know about the most is uh, Brian De La Cruz Mm. uh, was was an original Astro that he was that Roman was part of the scouting process with Enoli Paredes, Framber Valdez, you know, so it's it's quite a good list of guys that he's been involved with. Um, And he you know, we, we had a, a, a pretty thorough interview process for this position because I felt strongly that it was important for us to have a leadership type of position in international scouting that was full-time based in the Dominican Republic. Because in my opinion, the majority of, of international scouting and international operations with player development happens in the Dominican Republic. So it was very important to me for us to have a boots on the ground, you know, uh, top level evaluator that's part of the leadership group. So we're very, very lucky to have him on board and he's made the day one impact. And then we've, we hired also uh, two international cross checkers. Uh, one is uh, Manuel Padron, uh, who uh, we hired from the Toronto Blue Jays. He was most recently the Blue Jays area scout in South Florida. And he's now an international uh, cross checker for us. Manny and I used to work together with the Red Sox. He was our coordinator of Venezuelan operations. Um, so every trip that I would make to Venezuela was in the car with Manny. Manny and I have spent countless hours in the car crossing all over Venezuela. So Manny is going to be heading up uh, our Venezuelan operations. You know, he'll be kind of our, our regional supervisor in the Venezuela area. And, and then we promoted Adrian Puig from Pro Scout to International Cross Checker. So he was working in our Pro Scouting department for the last couple of years. Before that, he was the area scout for the Marlins in South Florida. And he's coming on board to, to be a cross checker for us just to be another level of upper level evaluation. And then we've added a few more area scouts, one in the Dominican Republic in the east and then one in Venezuela out west. When you say you're adding all these people, mm-hmm. that would seem to me like you weren't playing with a full deck of cards in recent years when maybe there's other organizations out there that are fielding a full complement of a scouting department. And there are people sure. all areas of the globe, you know, 
South America, whatever you want to say. What challenges presented themselves in that regard and what doors now open when you just sit here and tell me all these different people that have been added, roles and responsibilities mm-hmm. and what they're going to add to this organization? Yeah. Look, so at the end of the day, I think any international operation or any scouting operation, I think a domestic amateur scout would tell you, a pro scout, uh, pro scouting director would tell you that, you know, you're only as good as your scouts. So it, that's especially true in the international space because you're only, you as a decision maker are only as good as the, air, the, the players that the area scout can present to you and can show you to evaluate. And that in the international space, that's very nuanced. There's so relationship-based. That's so, uh, you have to be, like very diligent every single day about, you know, going to all these different corners of your region to find players. Um, So when you're short staffed, you don't get the opportunity to see those players. Right. And I would say over the last, you know, in the past where we're dealing with a short deck, I guess relative to the rest of the industry, maybe at times, I think there was always the intention to grow to this point just for all sorts of different reasons that you know that have happened over the course of the last couple of years, that's just made itself difficult. Um, So all the COVID related difficulties that we've had stateside, I'd probably say that those have been multiplied or those were multiplied when you, when you scale it out to international. Um, So uh, we had some complications like growing the staff, but I think we're at a point now where uh, we're, the machine is moving and we're, we're, we're seeing players from all corners of the areas that we scout and, and then some. I want to go back to something you talked about a couple of minutes ago when you said weekly tryouts. Self-admittedly, I don't know enough about the international side, but it's always fascinated me where a 15, 16-year-old kid becomes a big leaguer and people have never heard of him. There's weekly tryouts? Like, where do these kids come from on a weekly basis? I really – explain that to me. Yeah, so I'm going to be uh, – I'm going to try to be as limited as possible in describing it because I don't want to give away you know, our, our whole philosophy as to how we find players. Okay, right. But basically, But basically – so our area scouts, let's just take the job of an area scout on a, you know, he starts his week on a Monday, right, in his area. And so he's got to be in communication with multiple trainers and agents. And, and he's got to keep a list of the players that he's interested in seeing that week or seeing for the first time or seeing for a second or third time, hopefully. So, um, you know, the area scout will see a player of interest on Monday that he liked. And if that player is age eligible to enter the Dominican Academy, our Dominican Academy, um, then we will invite him to show up on Fridays to the Dominican Academy. Um, And then our whole scouting group is there, our whole area scouting group. Right now, it's only limited to the Dominican Republic. You can bring in players from other countries, but that's more, there's more uh, hoops that you have to jump through. And obviously with COVID protocols, it just Mm. makes it a little more difficult. So that's been primarily in the Dominican Republic, although our Venezuelan scouts do their own version of it in Venezuela as well. Um, But the, the, the main function for us or the main platform is, is the DR Academy. It's kind of why the new Academy is so important, right? Because we operate, it's the center. It's like the heart of the department is the Dominican Academy, Hmm. but back to the tryout. So on Fridays, we'll just have a group of, of pitchers and position players that are age eligible to enter the Academy. And we will host a tryout, you know, they'll run sixties, they'll throw, they'll make their throws. They'll take infield outfield, they'll take BP, and then we'll go into a game setting. And it'll, it's just a good way to uh, evaluate a larger group of players with all of our scouts there. And it's a good opportunity for, you know, myself, for, for Roman Okumares, for the cross checkers, for David to have like a weekly, you know, we can set a trip every week to be at the Academy on Friday and feel like we're seeing every, all the work that was done the week prior. Interesting. And then, yeah, it's a big part of our decision-making process. 
the area scouts, this is where I've always felt mm-hmm. a little ignorant, but I've yeah. always wanted to ask this. When these guys are going to find 15, 16-year-old kids, age-eligible kids to sign, yeah, are they going to local parks? Is it all like organized baseball? Because, you know, you hear the stories like, you know, this guy – he was flicking bottle caps in a back alley in the Dominican and hitting with st- yep. you know, like you hear that stuff, but how do you find kids? Yeah. So I'd say uh, those kinds of stories you hear them too. I'd say that's not giving enough credit to the Dominican baseball infrastructure that's okay. currently in place. Um, it, it's a lot more organized, even without having the types of facilities. So I think it's, it depends, right? There are higher profile agents and trainers who have the resources to have their own large scale academies. You know, there are some trainers in both the Dominican and Venezuela that have full blown academies with dorms and like, it's a really professionally run shop. Mm. And then there are other guys, smaller time or smaller um, programs that don't have those kinds of resources and are closer to what you're talking about. The fields that they're playing on are really limited. The, the baseballs, the equipment, it's all a little, uh, of, of a lower caliber, but at the same time, it's the job of the area scout to scout both of those kinds of programs. So he's got to go, he's got to be networking with all the trainers in his area to make sure that he's seeing or being given, being given the opportunity to see, you know, all sorts of players. Um, and it, it comes down to the area scout, you know, being diligent and uh, exhaustive with his search and, and or his desire to find players. And that's how they, that's how they end up with the players that they see, but they're out there every single day scouting. You always hear those stories like, Oh, we, there was yeah. this outfield kid X, Y, and Z years ago. And some guy came up to him and said, have you ever thought about pitching? And you know, he gets on the yeah. mound. He's like 94 with a change. Oh, well, you know, yeah. whatever. Anyways, the Dominican Academy. That's true though. Right. That's true. And our, our scouts are trained to, you know, if you identify, let's say a, an outfielder with a really good arm and let's say the bat isn't up to the standard just yet, you know, it, there, it takes some conversation and convincing to see like, Hey, have you ever tried throwing off a mound? So our scouts are very much trained to see, you know, identify conversion candidates like that, not just yeah. as pitchers, but you know, maybe infielders that could be catchers or infielders that should be outfielders, things like that. So, yeah. All right. Thanks again, Adrian for hopping on. And again, there's more to that conversation. I had to cut it down due to some time constraints tonight. So I will post that entire conversation tomorrow for you on the Barlins podcast page. When we come back, Gabby rejoins us for three strikes and you are out on Fox Sports 940 Miami and the iHeart. The Miami Marlins around the horn show with Kyle Seeloff is on Fox Sports 940 Miami. Back here at Around the Horn on Fox Sports 940 Miami and the iHeartRadio app tonight. I'm Kyle Seeloff. He is Gabby Sanchez. And before we hit the road, it's time for three strikes and you're out. Brought to you by Loop. Baseball cards do not have an offseason. Check out the number one sports card app at Loop. L-O-U-P-E dot cards. That's Loop. L-O-U-P-E dot cards. All right, Gabby, here we go. This is fun. This is my favorite segment every week. I'm going to say strike one, strike two, and strike three. I'm going to give you the topic. Then we're both going to give our answers. You're going to go first each time. You ready? Well, is is strike one like the least, strike three, then you're out? So is each topic, how does this work? you got to explain this to me. You're going to find out. Strike one, give me (laughs) one thing you wish you enjoyed more in life. One thing that I wish I enjoyed more in life. I would say hot sunny days. Yeah, too sweaty. You just sweat sweaty shirts. I hear you. Yeah, just too sweaty. I wish I enjoyed it more because when you're in the cold, you definitely appreciate it. 
but when you're dressed in some nice clothes and you walk out and it's a hot sunny day and you start sweating through it, I don't like it. Yeah, and uh, you immediately turn back around. And you're ready to go back in the air conditioning. Okay, so this is a little unfair because I can see these beforehand. I don't give you the luxury of uh, seeing these beforehand. I thought about this. Uh, the one thing I wish I enjoyed more was um, TV series or like Netflix stuff. I have no attention span for it. Everybody talks about shows, binge-watching shows. I just, I'm not interested in the slightest in any television series, movies, anything. Sad, huh? No, so like Ted Lasso, you didn't care. I Okay, so Ted Lasso and Breaking Bad are the only two things I, off the top of my head I've ever watched and I absolutely loved. But every, I hear all these other things. I just have no time for it. Like, it just doesn't interest me. Kind of bizarre. But so I did shit, love Ted Lasso. Shit's Creek you didn't like? Shit's Creek you didn't go for? No, I have no idea what it is. Oh, see, that's one. That's like a Ted Lasso. You would like that. Yeah, but it just doesn't interest me. Wild. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, they're quick. They're quick. They're quick. All right. You know? you're, you're trying to talk me into it. You're a good salesman, Gabby. Strike two. Uh, what subject do you find to be the most fascinating? Like school subject? Any subject in life. <laughs> um, well, right now, I mean, the most prevalent one is this whole entire lockout. Really? Yeah, it is. Because it's interesting to see both sides. When I was a player, we only saw one side of it. You know, now when you step back, you start to see both sides and you can understand, you know, okay, I can see why they're saying this. And then I, the players, I definitely see why they're saying this. Um, so it is fascinating to see you know, how, how it goes back and forth and, you know, how they get these deals done. Okay, here's a little insight as to how my brain works because that's more realistic and topical. Um, mine is astrology. Space fascinates me. It really freaks me out that we're sitting on a planet uh, and I don't know what else is out there and I want to go see that it's infinity. That vast, it fa that it, vast, I can't even talk about vast. it because it really... I don't know. It it uh, it doesn't freak me out, but it fascinates I'm, I'm me. I'm in on you. Can I change my answer to yours? Because that's way better. All right, that's fine. I, I thought about it, and I always look up at nighttime. I'm like, what's out there? There's another me out there. I know it. You uh, have the app to tell you like the stars and where the planets are and stuff. No, but I'll have to get it. Yeah, it's really cool. All you right, enjoy that. Strike three. I like this one. Your favorite video game of all time. I guess I have to go Halo, the first one when it first came out. All right, that's a where good it was. It was it was the first time where like you could go online and play against other people. Like that to me was probably the coolest thing ever. To play with your friends as you're talking with them, like that. that that's I, good. I would have to say Halo. That was good. I was more of a Call of Duty guy. Uh, I'm gonna give you two again. I cheat a little bit. Um, MVP Baseball 2005 for PS2 and Manny Ramirez on the cover. And MVP NCAA Baseball 07. That's when I was a junior or senior. It's junior in high school. College baseball, video games, awesome. Aluminum bats, smashing baseballs. It was awesome. <laughs> Those are good. I mean, I was going to go old school because I can. I mean, Mike Tyson's punch out was definitely yeah, there you go. the whole time. So, I like, I mean, I even I still have. Mike Tyson's punch out that I'll play. There you go. Gabby, it's good to see you, my man. Thanks for the time. No, thank you for having me, Kyle. You're awesome. Amazing. Always. Good Can't answer. wait to uh, be back in the booth with you. 
Good answer. Your check's in the mail. That's all the time we've got for you tonight for Ricardo Wanche. Back home at the Fox Sports 940 Miami studio and Gabby Sanchez. I'm Kyle Seeloff saying so long and good night. I'll be back with you next Thursday on your home for Marlins baseball, Fox Sports 940 Miami and the iHeartRadio app.